Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to the Sunday night Q&A. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield, and I am joined tonight with someone I haven't done a podcast with for a very long time, one KT Smith. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, Dave. Uh, yeah, last time we did one, I was actually living in a different house. I've, I've uh, since moved, Yeah, so uh, it's been a while. Yeah, and actually, I was with you when you did your very first podcast with Behind the Steel. I think your first two, I think, was both with the Scobro Show. I know, I know, we had you on to with the big reveal that you were Cliff Harris is still a punk, (laughs) and uh, as the name that you would you wrote Uh wrote under for a long time, and then we had you on because of your connection to Eric Ebron when Eric Ebron signed with the Steelers. So that tells you how long it's been. But uh, I was. I really like, you know, Brian scheduled out our, our, our Q&As over the summer and tried to pair up people that aren't normally working together. You know, the last thing people want is to listen to my brother and I do another Q&A. And when I saw this one, I was like, this was great. I got I got Marky D earlier in the summer. Now I'm with KT. Um, this is you, this is at least your second time. Who, who did you do a, a Sunday night Q&A with already? Uh, I did one with Jeff. Jeff, oh, you and Jeff with uh, right. with the matching haircuts. Um, exactly, exactly. I think, I think I got a little shine going off there. I got a little sunburn today, so yeah, I'll be shining. Up so there. as people trickle into the live chat, both on YouTube and on Facebook Live, make sure you start firing out the questions. This is the last chance before training camp that we have. Now, just to let you know, I'm fairly certain about this, Kevin, but. I think you and I are the only ones on staff at BTSC that used to coach football. Well, you still coach football, but who have ever coached football before? Do you know of anyone else that coached other than you and I? No, no. Jeff Jeff talks about lacrosse. Yes, Jeff Jeff coached lacrosse for a long time, and he was a very good lacrosse coach. Just for people out there that that might not know that Jeff was he he did a very nice job at that. But how many years have you been coaching high school football now? 27, 27 years. Yeah. So wow. the last 11 as a head coach and I was a offense coordinator for a while and then starting out, you know, did special teams receivers, et cetera, hit it all pretty much. Okay. So you were 16 years before you became the, the, the head coach. Yeah. 16. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I only coached for seven and it's, and it was right around this time that, that messed me up when I stopped coaching. It's because when my first child, my daughter, her due date was 11 days before the first day of practice for a year. And with everything going on with my wife, she's like, really, you're going to leave me for all that and leave me all, all that time by myself and the big commitment. And I'm like, you know, I think I better take a year off from coaching. And it just so happened that taking that year off and spending that time with my family, it's, it, it does take a big commitment. It's a huge commitment. It's crazy um, too. The yeah. uh, in in 
whether it's high school, college, or the pros, it's now yeah. become a 365 day a year profession where you're you're in the weight room almost as soon as the season ends, and then the summertime is is constant practice, et cetera. I mean, the, the whole idea of like a coach's widow is a real thing. You know, you're, yeah. you're 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 really like at the end of the season. You know, I just say to my wife like. You know, I don't know how you did it, babe, because, you know, she's with the kids so much and I have a tremendous respect for what she does. Yeah. And and I completely get that because that when it all came down to my decision, I knew that during the week, three days a week, I would only see my daughter for 30 minutes a day. And the other two, I wouldn't see her at all. And that's why the decision ultimately came down to based on, you know, being a, a newborn and, and everything. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I spent three years as a volunteer with the varsity team where I was, I ran the scout team one year. I was the assistant offensive line, defensive line coach. I was the kickers coach um, and helped with the special teams. I did that for three years. Then I started off on the pay scale at the bottom. I was the assistant freshman coach, which put me as the defensive coordinator, did that for two years, moved up to be the head freshman coach for two years, which put me at the offensive coordinator and but then I stepped away and kind of think about what would have happened if I'd have stuck with it because my assistant, my last year coaching, who he, who he took my job from when I, I had moved up, he is now the head varsity coach at the, at the school that I that I used to coach at, and I actually was messaging with him today. He's a really good coach, but uh, well, just wanted to get a little bit of background of, of so you've done everything. Basically, yeah. you've there, there's not really one of those you haven't covered, right? No. Special teams coordinator, offense coordinator, you know, worked with D-backs, linebackers, head coach, you know. So you, you stay in it long enough, and I think, you know, you get opportunities to move up, and you, you try to take them. And uh, But then, you know, I mean, really you're just trying to fill whatever, wherever there's a need. I've been at the same school for 30 years, so yeah. any place there's a need, I'm going to jump in. And I love the opportunity to, to, to coach all the positions, and you get, to, you get to just see and learn new things. You get to go to all the clinics. The clinics yeah. are phenomenal, man. Just yeah, get to see some of these guys who are, are you know, you're they're they're basically giving you like uh you know like masters level, uh classes on the on the subject of football, which is awesome to watch. And so I've learned a ton in, at those things. And I you know I'm just kind of a junkie. Yeah, and now I don't know how it is in New Jersey, but at least in Maryland, if you're coaching high school and public school, it is the commitment, but it's definitely not. Um, helping you out a whole lot in the paycheck department. I'll tell you that. Um, hopefully in New Jersey, it's a little bit better because nah, I hate to think of all the time. It's, not. it's not. Yeah, that's 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 the profession. All right, let's I, roll into some questions here. You let's ready go. for this? Let's go. All right. So this is from Joseph. I'm not even going to try to say that last name. Um, and he says, do you think if James Washington had decided to stay with the Steelers, would he have flourished with this edition of the Steelers offense? Kevin, would James Washington have done better into what we well i guess it should be what we expect this version of the offense to be this year right i'm not convinced he would have simply because washington couldn't play in the slot and he was and he struggled really to sort of separate in coverage and he was a great contested ball receiver he's so strong and uh has, has great strong hands and uh when you can get him into those situations he was pretty good but as a pure outside receiver um, I don't know how much more this offense would benefit him than the one that we ran previously, because uh, with all the play action, I expect, uh, you know, and with all, you know, as an outside guy, he's still going to have to beat corners, but the play action really benefits the, the slot guys, the tight end guys. I mean, it's, it's great for attacking the middle of the field. Um, so I don't, I'm not, I'm not convinced that that Washington would have been a, a, a huge or that he would have benefited tremendously from this. Uh, although, I do feel as though for whatever reason, and maybe, you know, better than me, Dave, but for whatever reason, Washington seemed to sort of uh, be in the doghouse a little bit here his last year or so. He just, he just seemed to, to like when they put him out there, he, he did some pretty good things, made the most of his opportunities, but he just didn't, he just didn't get he wasn't out that there. much. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think, I don't know well, why that was exactly. I'm going to ask you a question about that because I can't speak I'm wide receiver is like the 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 worst that I'm that I can tell you stuff about when it comes to the offense. So I'm gonna ask I heard it said when James Washington came into the Steelers coming from Oklahoma State that he didn't have the most extensive route tree. 
and that he wasn't the greatest route runner. He was basically, you know, go deep, let him throw it to him. He'll go up and fight and get it. That he wasn't very, he, he didn't, he wasn't extensive with his routes. Did, do you think that was something that he just didn't develop much with the Steelers and maybe they couldn't put him on the field much because he didn't have this big repertoire of within the receiver routes? I mean, that's that's certainly possible. But if we think about the Steelers offense last year, they didn't run an extensive route tree. No, they, they didn't. They, <laughs> they ran on the outside. They ran like go yeah. routes, nine routes and quick stuff. And and Deontay Johnson, you know, they 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 forced the ball. He got more targets than any receiver in the NFL. They He, he was the passing offense and Claypool and Washington were running really elementary stuff. So maybe you know, maybe just uh, that Claypool did. They, they, they felt more comfortable with him as a bigger guy trying to make him the vertical threat, which was another questionable choice because he wasn't a great vertical guy. And I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to change the subject, but when I think about Claypool for this coming year, uh, he's well, got to Wait about. a second. Oh, David Howard that. Jr. says, how do you feel about Claypool yeah. this year? So there here you go. go. Next, That was Perfect. the next question. All right. Thank you, David. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited about Claypool because I think that he's, I think he's best as a catch and run guy. You know, when he, when he get, when you get the ball into his hands quickly and give him an opportunity to use that 6'4", 230, whatever pound frame and that and that four 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 five speed, uh, he's a tough guy to bring down. He's a big dude, you know, and and, um, and he's not he's not the best uh, contested ball catcher. He, do, he doesn't do a great job of going up and high pointing the football. And they asked him to run a lot of those deep routes and win those one on ones. And he wasn't great at it. But like there's been a lot of talk about him moving into the slot. So, so put him in the slot. Let him run that those crossing routes where he's going to be covered more by linebackers and strong safeties. Uh, get him the ball quick and then see what he can do with it. I think that that uh, plays to his strengths as opposed to last year where it did not. Yeah, I I kind of wish that that Claypool had the go up high and fight for it ability that we would I saw from James Washington. I mean, there was times where he was making great catches. And remember, Ben Roethlisberger's last touchdown pass of his career was to James Washington at, in the fourth quarter against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So to kind of wrap a bow on Washington, when it comes to, to, to Claypool, I just he it wasn't that he had that down of a year. He was very close in his receiving. I mean, he was within 15 receiving yards and only a few fewer receptions on the year. It was the touchdowns. And it wasn't just the touchdowns. I mean, and that's from a stat standpoint, but you would expect him to grow in his second year. And he just gave you the same yardage, the same receptions, not as many touchdowns. And it just seemed like there were opportunities squandered. I know some people wanted to argue when you point out the clip, but when you look at the clip, yes, Ben Roethlisberger underthrew the ball pretty bad. But if you remember that game, I must said San Diego, in Los Angeles against the Chargers, where he was he was running and Ben throws the ball and it's a little bit short, but he was five yards ahead of the defender. Now, the defender caught up to him right after he caught the ball because he had to slow down and get it. But instead of even slowing down and catching the ball and then to keep going, he, he, he went and basically stopped and jumped up to catch it and fell down. I'm like, even if he catches it and the guy hits him, he's going to knock him forward. And the Steelers didn't even get any points on that drive. They ended up going for it on fourth down and got nothing. And that was a really close game. So it's it's plays like that where don't just don't always feel like you have to go up, catch the ball, and fall down. Catch the ball on the run if the situation calls for it. That's that's one thing that bothers me. I know it bothers a lot of people. Have you ever noticed that with them or thought much of it? Well, I think uh a lot of stuff, a lot of it comes back to coaching. I really, yeah. I really believe that. And that's the that's maybe a coach's bias here, but I really believe that. He is a guy who needs somebody to be more of a um, more instructive with the details. Mm -hmm. When you look at a lot of the things that he does, it feels lazy, but it may just simply be because that stuff has not been, he hasn't created those habits yet. Those habits get created in practice. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to rep in order for something to be, be a habit. It's got to be repped over yeah. and over and over again, even if you're a pro. And I think sometimes fans forget that these are young guys. What's Claypool, 23 years old? Yeah, he's uh, he, not that old. Not old. He played at Notre Dame, which is not which you know Brian Kelly's offense was not a real advanced passing offense. He probably doesn't have uh, some of the maturity that these more accomplished route runners do. And 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 you know they got they didn't rehire Ike Hilliard last year because clearly they felt like 
there were some things missing. And my my issue with Ike Hilliard is I just don't think he was great with the details. I mean, mm-hmm. just as an example, the Steelers led the league in pre-snap penalties by wide receivers. That's oh, just wow. discipline stuff. All, yeah. Jumping offside. How many times did Deontay Johnson like flinch and jump offside? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just discipline stuff that you really need to be able to like hammer through in practice. So I'll be really interested to see what Frisman Jackson can do, the new receivers coach with Claypool, because I thought he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job developing DJ Moore down in Carolina. And I think Claypool's like a little bigger version of a DJ Moore. So I think he may be a great fit for the Steelers. All right. I, th- I think that sounds fantastic. But now I was going to say something about that. I'm trying to re- trying to remember what else. Ah, that's what I was going to say. You mentioned about pre-snap penalties, and sometimes it's not pre-snap penalties. But one thing that does drive me nuts, um, as speaking as someone who was a had played and coached offensive line, that they blame the tackle when the receiver doesn't line up right and, and doesn't cover him like he's supposed to. That really <laughs> drives me nuts when it comes to the penalties. They 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 they, they pin that on the tackle because he's the guy he's he he's should have been he's an eligible receiver when he shouldn't have been, and it's all because the wide receiver lined up wrong. That's just one of my pet peeves. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, so let's move to the next one. This that's big, this that's your big man bias right there. Yeah, but of course, <laughs> but whose fault is that? Honestly, you're, no, you're right. You're right. It's not their fault. And it's, it's an easy ball. rule. It's an easy rule. All you have yeah. to do is break the hip of the last man yeah. on the line scrimmage. So you just guys forget that? that they're supposed to be up on the line. They're not up on the line. You're, I mean, every time the wide receiver turns and checks with the official, I mean, you generally see it that they're not lined up off sides. Don't your receivers do that? The only time, yes, yeah, yeah. the guy's got his hand, his hands here, right, yeah. or his hands yeah. here. You're in the backfield, or you're on yeah. the line, one or the other. But uh, the only time it's, it could be the fault of the line is when, for let's say, the guards pulling uh-huh. and he and he's going to cheat back as far in a stance as he can so that he mm-hmm. can get out quick and clear the center and then the tackle will line up on the guard and so if the guard's too far back and the tackle's real far back as well and the and the split end doesn't get exactly on the tackle then technically he'll be up. yeah okay then then i i could see that but, but i mean that, that's happen. more because the tackle's in the backfield right Rather than the the receiver Correct. should be on the line. Correct. So, yep. All right. Here here's the next right, one. Right. John C. This will be a good one. Do you think Rudolph will be traded? Hmm. <laughs> I read today, and I was reading an article today where where they said that it, the Steelers quarterback competition is a three man competition between uh, free agent signing Mitchell Trubisky, first round draft pick Kenny Pickett, and 2023 Cleveland Browns starting quarterback Mason Rudolph. So, you know, their suggestion, of course, was, yes, he will he will be traded. Um, I think, you know, a really interesting thing will be how they how they script the reps for these three guys throughout training camp. How much of an opportunity is Rudolph going to get to showcase himself? It was interesting that Pickett was the number three guy in minicamp and that Rudolph got the two reps because most people don't th- seem to think that Rudolph is a legitimate contender for the starting job and so if the Steelers have any designs on getting trade value uh, for him then he's going to have to be able to to show some stuff he's going to have to play some preseason games and show that he's a he's a guy worth trading for so that'll be really interesting I think the more Rudolph plays in the preseason the higher the odds are that he'll get traded I can go with that I'm going to say I don't think the Steelers are shopping Rudolph but I think they will take calls. I don't think this is nearly as likely as what many Steelers fans believe that there's, I mean, there are some people can absolutely convince that he's going to be traded or cut before the end of training camp. I'm still more of the camp that if, if the quarterback room doesn't change where they trade someone away, I still think that, that Kenny Pickett doesn't get a helmet week one. Because I think it's smarter to have someone who has experience coming off the bench, which both Trubisky and Rudolph do, be the backup in game. Now, that doesn't mean that if something happens and they want to change the starting quarterback for the next game, that it wouldn't be Pickett. But I would much rather Pickett get his first NFL action to start off a game and not having to come in on a on a on a third and one and hand it off to Najee and hope he gets it because the quarterback in the game got dinged up a little bit or have to come in on third and eleven and 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 try to you know complete his first NFL pass because that's what he had to do because because 
you know, uh, the starting quarterback broke their nose or something like that, or or got dinged up, even though they could possibly come back. I just think that's the way, especially those first three games where they have three games in a pretty short time period. Um, but then again, I wouldn't be, you know, I'm not, I also, I'm not dismissing the idea of Kenny Pickett starting right off the bat, but he's just got to blow everyone out of the water if he's going to. And I am not going to be opposed to that. Yeah. So I think, I think Rudolph, I think there's a possibility that Rudolph will be traded, but I still think that the Steelers see value in him even if he's not the starter, more than to just give him away or send him away. Right. Yeah. And they're in a position, right. Where, where, right. They don't have to force anything. They don't have yeah. to, they don't need to get rid of him. They, uh, they can take their time with Pickett. I mean, and when have the Steelers ever been a team that said, we're, let's just turn it over to, you know, this, this, yeah. the, the, the young guy and, and see what happens. They didn't this burger. I mean, people forget like Tommy Maddox was the starting quarterback. And uh, Roethlisberger obviously took advantage of his opportunity when he got it, but uh, I think they're perfectly content to see what they have in Trubisky and 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 to to let him. I think they believe he's probably the guy right now that gives them the best chance to win games. And you know they're always trying to win football games. The Steelers they're not they're not a uh, a team that's interested in tanking or an interested or, or interested in in a, well you know this isn't going to be our year. I think they believe every year they got a chance to. For this to be their year, look, yeah. at, look at what they look at what they did with the free agents, man. That oh, yeah. what they did in free agency tells you that they're invested in winning. So I don't think they're going to rush Pickett, and so therefore that may mean that they're not going to, you know, just get rid of Rudolph for you know the first phone call. Yeah, and they and they generally don't like to rush their rookies at all, even a lot of times even the first round picks. Um, last year was an anomaly because of the salary cap going down. They couldn't sign other people. I mean, it, it just wasn't good. But if you look at it, yeah, they traded up for Devin Bush. They were ready to have him to go right away. TJ Watt wasn't supposed to go right away. Why do you think James Harrison got so mad and started sleeping in meetings? Because he was told he was going to get more playing time. But then TJ Watt was so phenomenal, they had to put him on the field. He was just better than Harrison. But the Steelers had the other option of what to do rather than to force their first-round pick into action before they were ready. But if but they'll also show if they're ready, they'll play him. So that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, you said you were surprised that Rudolph got the number two reps in minicamp. I'm going to be honest with you. So was I. I thought it sounded like a Steelers thing to do that they would have given him the number one reps because he was there before. Not right. because they expect him to be the starter, but because that's kind of the way they do things. So I also thought it was a little bit telling that they even had Trubisky ahead of them. So you, there, there's a Steelers way of things, and sometimes you just got to remember that. So here we got Robert Shu says, what kind of transaction will take place before the season starts, do you think? Hmm. Well, I think if they're going to add anybody, uh, it, it's either mm -hmm. going to be an offensive tackle or a corner. Uh, edge rusher could probably be a, a, a candidate there as well. So you've got those mm -hmm. three position groups where it's like maybe they could add someone. I, you know, I think that they, the Steelers, I think, feel pretty good about the offensive line. I think an un, maybe an yeah. under the radar signing was was uh, Trent Trent Scott uh, yes. from from Carolina. You know, uh, I, I agree. think that he's that guy. You know, he's he's got 19 starts in his career. He's played in 50 games. I mean, he's a guy who's got some experience and. Could probably be a third guy, uh, you know, if, if Joe Hegg, if it's not Joe Hegg, et cetera. So they might, they may be okay, okay at the at the tackle spot, and then that kind of leaves you the edge or the corner position where mm -hmm. uh, it seems like, you know, at edge they, you know, they they seem to like Derek Tuska uh, probably more than maybe yeah. most fans do, uh, and then you've got Cam Sutton as your as your third uh, corner, but not a lot of depth behind uh, there. So I mean, that would be my most likely scenarios. Yeah, I, I remind people that, remember, this, the Steelers chose Jameer Jones over Quincy Roche, and then they chose Derek Tuska over Jameer Jones. So that yeah. just tells you kind of what they liked and what they saw with Tuska or Tuska or however you say it. Um, I'm going to steal Eugene's answer to this, and I think the kind of transaction we're going to see before the season starts is a Chris Boswell extension. 
I'm going to, so I'm going to go a whole different route than you rather than picking up a different player, because we got to remember that those kind of things can happen as well. I still think some people, they want to move on from Derek Watt because he has such a high salary cap number. Remember the Steelers chose to do that because they restructured him last year when they didn't need to. Um, they, they chose to, to pump up his dead money. I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers actually did an extension with Derek Watt to where they're not going to pay him any more money this year. It's just going to be as a signing bonus and then give him some some base salary the next year or two that the whether they would even keep him on the team or not to just kind of spread it out a little bit. But that's me. I think that's more likely than him getting cut. Some people still think Derek Watt's going to get cut. I'm like, he's the special teams captain. So, but I I, I think a, a signing, and I think Chris Boswell was the one who really uh, should should get a new deal. So here's Sherry Richard. She's, I'm going to say Sherry is our most active Facebook Lives user. That's what I'm saying from the shows that I'm with. Um, Sherry's there all the time. Wants to know what player or players are you looking most forward to seeing in the preseason? Hmm. The the players I'm most looking most forward to, we're probably not going to see a lot of them in the preseason because <laughs> they're they're starters. Mm-hmm. But so I'll kind of I'll do a quick uh, right. two point two part answer there. Like I can't wait, Harris. I cannot wait. He he looks like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's bigger, stronger, more confident. I think I think the the way the offense is going to change is going to benefit his running style. So that probably won't be – we won't see much of him in the preseason simply because of uh, the wear and tear issue. Uh, but when the regular season gets going, man, I'm all in on Najee. I, re- I really can't wait. But uh, but to answer that, answer the question about the preseason, the guy I'm really intrigued by is DeMarvin Leal, the, uh, the defensive tackle, <laughs> the third-round pick, who I just think has an opportunity. He's raw and he's going to take some development, man, but he is freakishly athletic for a huge guy. Supposedly he's put on – 20 pounds or so and he's up around 300 and I'm really curious to see what the Steelers do with him because I think with Brian Flores here who loves to move his guys up front he really loves to slant stem and play games with the 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 front guys that the Marvin Leal fits really well into that particular scheme so uh yeah I'm, I'm curious what what they've gotten him what about you um to go on the defense I'm really curious about seeing Levi Wallace and Akello Witherspoon playing preseason games with the Steelers because even Witherspoon didn't have any. Um, would really like to see how they how that looks at corner. Um, I liked your answer of DeMarvin Leal. If I'm going offense, you know me, I'm going to look at the line. I'm not looking for – I mean, the quarterbacks are the obvious answer. So I'm, I'm basically answering other than the quarterbacks. You know, I, we're not going to see much of Najee, and I don't care because – we know what Najee Harris brings. Can one of the other running backs, especially one of the um, undrafted free agents, can they bring something? But on the offensive line, how does James Daniels come in as the as the free agent signing? How is Mason Cole coming as a free agent? And can is can Kendrick Green kind of get and Kevin Dotson both of them? I I never looked at Kevin Dotson as being a guy that needs to get his act together, but he, he seems to have that kind of relationship with the Steelers. When it comes to Kendrick Green, is he going to get his act together? I tried to say it to someone Thursday, not on Thursday, it was Friday, it was on Jeff's um, Let's Ride this week. He asked me to describe Kendrick Green in one word. I said nasty. I said he's a nasty player. He just doesn't have the technique to go with his nastiness to be consistent. So can can he... People want to write him off right now about everything else. I'm I'm not writing him off either guard or center until we can actually see if he can come in and show what he can do. So I'm looking forward to, to what the interior of that Steelers offensive line can do. Um, but that's just me. Anything else you want to add to that before we roll on? Or uh, George Pickens too. He's another guy that I'm really curious oh, yeah. about because of of his length and he's he's a legit deep ball guy. And and the Steelers have not had that since Antonio Brown. I know Juju Smith Schuster. For a while there, uh, you know, was at near the top of the league in, in terms of being a deep ball guy. But a lot of those, a lot of that stuff was catch and run. He was a great runner yeah. after the catch. But Pickens is a, a true uh, vertical stretch guy. Where you know, like if you're if you're going to play your safeties low, um, and then your corner better be able to cover a big six two, you know, four four guy to the post, and that's a challenge. Yeah. So Absolutely. The Steelers have seen so much of opponents over the last couple of years just loading the darn box and daring them to go deep. And now here's Pickens, which is you know, maybe maybe an answer to the dare. So I'm curious about that. 
Yeah, that, that that's a really good point as well. So here's here's Reginald Rivers. Um, he's I've seen him bring this up before, so I'm I am kind of curious what you have to say about this, and then I'll give my thoughts. Will the NFL ever extend the 53 man roster now that they cut one of the preseason games? I don't know why they don't. It, do, it doesn't make any sense to me why they don't at least add two three active guys. Uh, maybe it, it may be an economic decision. I don't know, but. Um, it makes it does it just doesn't make sense to to have uh you know this huge pool of players to choose from and then to basically have to make decisions on game day about like well we you know we're only going to we're only we can only carry uh seven or eight active offensive linemen because of this reason or that reason it just, just seems silly because uh, at the NFL level I don't think that you should you should be hamstrung by those types of decisions. So I don't, you know, I don't think it should be like college. I mean, obviously economically it doesn't work that way. You're not going to carry nine. Yeah. The, the, you just can't guys. do that. Um, but I would absolutely for you know, a couple of reasons. NFL wants to talk about safety, man. You know, like if you're, if you got safety arguments, then then add a couple of players so that you can, you can have some guys who specialize in certain things. Yeah. My thing is, is, is the whole economic reason. If you're going to add more than 53 players to the roster, you've you've got to then also adjust the salary cap. So if you're going to do it, you have to do it in the off season before the start of a league year and then make it and and be able to adjust that as well. Because if not, then you still are going to have to have more salaries and fit it underneath whatever the number is. Now, what they have done is they have expanded the number of uh, the number of players active on game day by two as long as one of them is an eighth offensive lineman. You've got to have eight active um, on game day, but then the fact that they've extended the uh, sorry expanded the practice squad and kept that at sixteen that was something that they started with COVID and they've just kept it because having that bigger pool and then being able to call up two players for for any reason each week from the practice squad to to help you out really in essence is stretching the roster even more so if so many people think of the roster in the terms of, well, the practice squad is where you stash guys that you want to keep otherwise, which is to a point, but you can't, you can't say, Oh, we really liked two more quarterbacks. It's a waste on your practice squad because you actually need these players to practice. That's why it's a practice squad in order to, to be able to do the things that you need to do in your drills and in your teamwork and everything else. So you, you look at a 53 man roster, but really it's 69. It really is because of those 16 practice squad guys and the fact that you can pull two of them up every week without exposing the waivers, each player up to, I think it's now three times that that got adjusted to where and unlimited in the postseason. Um, but you can only, you can only do two unless it was a, you know, in the past it was the COVID replacements. I don't know if they're still going to have a COVID designation this year or not. Um, just not sure how that's all going to play out. So they have expanded it some, and I, I think that's kind of on the verge of getting it to where it will eventually be more. Um, maybe, maybe even bringing those those guys, you know, more players up from the practice squad each week. Uh, they seem kind of really stuck on the fifty three. The thing about fifty three is you add three specialists, and then you basically have twenty five for offense, twenty five for defense. So the number itself makes sense, but I, I kind of like that they're expanding things and using the practice squad more. But when they elevate guys, they got to pay them a regular salary. And that has to come out of the out of the um salary cap. And that's so that's why like this year I I have more money set aside for the Steelers that they need going into the year because they got to play pl- pay players that they elevate. And sometimes people forget about that. So, um I'm I'm looking through trying to find the next question. Um there I didn't know if there's anything else you want to say about the 53. No, I mean, I, you know, you make a lot of good points there, David, but I, I, uh, I always think about it from a X and O standpoint and a coaching standpoint. And you just, you always want more options and a little bit more flexibility. And yeah. it would be nice, you know, it'd be nice every once in a while to be able to have, to be able to just have like a, you know, like a guy who specializes in one particular thing. And maybe, maybe you're not, you don't have the luxury of keeping that guy in a 53 man uh, uh, roster, but, but if it's 55 and you say to yourself, okay, man, well, we got a gadget guy that he might be able to do one thing on game day, but uh, there may be a situation that arises where we need that one thing specifically. So 
I'd like to see that. And also just because it creates greater opportunity for players. I'm always going to advocate on the side of the players and just the the opportunity, whether you play or not, just to be able to dress for an NFL football game uh, and be on the real roster is, is for some of these guys, a dream come true. So I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. And that's why I really do like that. They've, that they keep that they've kept the practice squad at 16. That's that, that I think does help. So we'll see how it evolves over the next several years. So here, this is from, from Todd um, Ferry. Uh, he says, good evening, Sherry. I don't know if this question was for Sherry or if this was supposed to be the next comment. And it was, what do you think about having a second good running back? What are your thoughts of adding another running back? Is the implication there that we don't have a, a second I, I good running back? kind of the implication. Yeah. Uh so this is tricky, I think, because we all know that Mike Tomlin has the, a, is very much married to you know the feature running back approach, and and that he's he wants to run his number one guy as much as he can, and so that means that the number two player you have to make a decision about mm-hmm. what that what that number two guy's good at. Is that number two guy uh, a guy who's good in limited touch situations? Can can he be a guy who? gets three, four, five carries a game, but maximizes the, the, those carries? Uh, or it, are you looking for your number two guy to be an insurance policy? And that's what the Steelers have now. Benny, Benny Snell is an insurance policy for Najee Harris in that when Benny Snell gets three, four, five carries a game, he's not particularly good. No. But when he gets 17 to 20 some carries, he's, he's pretty good. You know, he, he gets better as the game goes on. He gets better as he sees the cuts and sees the flow and begins to understand how, how things are breaking, et cetera. So I think under the, the current philosophy that Benny Snell's fine as your number two guy, because if he has to be your number one guy, he's not bad. Um, but right. Do they have a number two guy? Like in the, in the sense of somebody who can just spell Najee Harris, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, what you what you need on game day when when you have Najee Harris versus your insurance policy if you don't have Najee Harris are two different things because Benny Snell really does need to get the ball more. But what's great about that is you can still have him active on game day game day because he gives you so much on special teams. So then you have then you have you have a third running back that could actually come in and be more of that guy that that can spell for a little bit. Then that's what what I think ultimately would be better. And if the Steelers don't like what they have in training camp, then go out and, and sign somebody. Um, so I, yeah, they, I they think will be right now, for sure. yeah. So I, will, I don't think they game. have to right now, but see what you got. And then if you don't like it, do something about it. They've done that every year. I mean, they did that last year with linebacker. They did it at cornerback by, by adding a Keller Witherspoon. They did it. I mean, I just think of all the different things that they've added right before the season over the last couple of years. It shows you that the Steelers aren't afraid to go grab what they think that they need. Um, so right. if they feel that they gonna, need that, go do it. They're, they're, they're going to have to manage Najee Harris's touches better, though. I mean, I don't care how much you love the feature back approach. He had something like 381 touches last year as a rookie. That's yeah. That is a unsustainable pace. Yes. Right. So, so they have to figure out how how to manage that better. And 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 if it's not and, and actually Najee Harris talked about this a couple of weeks ago coming out of minicamp. He said like there there's I'm probably going to be on the field less this year. There will be packages where I won't be on the field. And that's interesting because you know, get your wheels turning. Well, what do those packages look like? I don't think that they necessarily look like Benny Snell's just in there for Najee Harris. Exactly. I, you know, like I think that I there's a lot of you've got I mean, creativity that, that you know, this, one, of the, one of the exciting things about the Steelers offense this year, they have options. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Look at those options. You know, they, 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 right. They could put uh, McFarlane out there as a back. They could go no backs in five wide. They could go no backs with Two, you know, with two mm-hmm. tight ends and three receivers, and one of those running backs is, or one of those receivers is, is uh, Calvin Austin, who can be, who can, mm-hmm. you know, shift into the backfield, and there's all or sorts. Connor of stuff Hayward, yeah, Connor Hayward, who's a you very, know? very interesting, very, yeah. very interesting choice, right? So, so I, so, I think there could be packages where you don't have a quote unquote running back that's designated by their position on the Steelers roster that's even on the field. I, I, I kind of like that idea right. a lot, but. 
but out of those packages, you can still run the football. Absolutely. I'll be really, really interested to see how many design runs they have for, for Mitch Trubisky. Buffalo, mm-hmm. one of Buffalo's best plays last year was quarterback sweep. It's old school buck sweep, like like the way yep. the wing T blocked it back in the day. Yep. Uh, with the quarterback. I ran a lot of wing T as a scout offense. Okay, so there you go, man. A scout offense. Hold up the paper. Here's the play. Wing T, buck sweep right. Here you go. And 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 at every single level, if you block buck sweep right, that play is tough. That play yeah. is tough. Uh, and so the Bills ran a ton of it with Josh Allen last year. He just faked to the back, and the back's filling for one of the pulling guards, and now you're running with your quarterback. And I can see the Steelers getting into empty stuff where they're jet motioning across and faking to that jet guy and now running buck sweep with Trubisky. Um, and – and you can do it because you know you've got some other quarterbacks in there. You're not, you're not, you're yeah. or, or who you anticipate can play, and and you're not quite as worried as uh, as you would have been under with Roethlisberger of him getting hurt. Yeah, you would have been. Oh, you're going to get Ben killed. Oh, you're going to get Mitch killed. You know what? Mitch gets killed. Out goes Kenny or Mason. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cold, but you, you know. <laughs> I mean, which which leads to another question. This is from Terry Bittinger that says, "What do you do if Mitchell takes us to the AFC Championship game the next two years?" Meaning Mitchell Trubisky. By the way, are you are you going to call him Mitchell? Are, you, is, uh, are, are we going to call him Mitchell like when we're Jeff, mad at him? Jeff said no, he's going to call him Mitchell when he's mad at him. That's exactly like Mitchell. Yeah. You know, like, yes, like yes. like when you when you use your kid's middle name. You know, when you're yes. Kid. No, and I yeah, I do that a lot. Aiden Michael, <laughs> my son. Yeah, uh, Violet Mitchell, Beatrice. That's what I was saying yeah. a lot. So much so. Well, to answer that question. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um. That's a, that would be a good problem to have yeah. if Mitchell takes us to the AFC Championship game because the Steelers are incredibly young on offense. He's he Trubisky at 27 is the oldest guy uh, in the anticipated starting 11. So if yeah. he took the Steelers to the AFC Championship game, it means one of two things: Either the defense is just completely lights out and and carried the Steelers through the season, or Trubisky played really really well. The and the young guys are ahead of schedule, and and that's a good problem to have. Yeah, you're. If you're worried about getting your players playing time because they're so good, then, then oh my oh my goodness, what kind of problems do we have? You know, that's that's the kind of problems that you're looking for. So we're we're almost done. I want to ask you a question about something to, to finish up here because this is something that I've been pondering a lot. I might end up having to write an article about this. It's about the Pittsburgh Steelers' run defense. How much importance do you put on the Steelers with improving their run defense? And at what, at how far do you think they need to improve? You know, is it one of those things, hey, if they could get up to the middle of the pack, that's great. Or, hey, they need to get back to the top five run defense. Or what, what are your thoughts overall from them being 32nd last year and, and, and the emphasis on that moving forward? I think that they uh, there were games last year where their inability to, to stop the run compromised everything else on defense. Uh, I think the back to the Vikings game where Minnesota just gashed the Steelers running you know running Dalvin Cook down their throats and then mm-hmm. that opened up the play action passing game because everybody was committed to the the run so hard. Um, I think they've got they've taken some really good steps to help remedy that. I I, I love the, the Larry Ogunjobi signing if he is healthy and that I know that's a big if but if he is healthy. I think he is a, a very, very good interior run defender uh, and who will who will now free up Cam Hayward um, and will help the linebackers by being able to absorb double teams and keep keep guys out of the face of Devin Bush and Miles Jack, et cetera. So um, for the Steelers on both sides of the ball, winning first down is huge. If the Steelers can win first downs and put – uh, opposing offenses in second and long situations then they can then get really creative with their, with their personnel packages, their sub packages, and with some of the blitz schemes, I think Brian Flores is going to bring. And I, so I, so I think that, th- that the ability to win on first down, which oftentimes starts with stopping the run is going to be huge for them. So, you know, to answer your question, I think it's pretty important. Yeah. My, the, the reason I bring this up is I'm like in today's NFL, are the Steelers almost willing to just say, you know what, if we give up some yards in the run, that's fine. But you really want to know what's happening? 
how many teams are willing to go out there and run the ball every single play until you stop them? I mean, look, the whole reason that the Steelers got back in that Minnesota game where they were running all over them, the only reason they got back back in that game is because they still can Minnesota still continued to throw the ball and threw two interceptions in the second half. As much as they were running the ball, they could have just hand literally turned around and handed it off every play and said, We're just gonna keep doing this until you stop us. If they would, I mean, even in the fourth quarter, that you know, the, the Steelers come back. Um, they 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 they're close. What is it? Seven or eight points. And Minnesota has the ball with just over four minutes left. What do they do? They ran the ball once and they lost a yard. You know what they didn't do anymore? Um, don't you know what they did for the next three plays? Well, one of them was a, was a penalty and they got backed up. They passed the ball. Then they got a first down. Then they ran again. Then they ran, you know, they ultimately got stopped because out of their options, even as good as they were running the ball, they were passing it half the time. Is there any, can, because to me, I've seen high school teams that literally will not throw the ball <laughs> until you stop them from running it at all, ever. No need to mix it up. We will hand it off every single play until you stop it. You don't yeah. see that in the pro game. And if you're going to concede some yards, the Steelers gave up 200 yards four times last year. The only game they lost was the Vikings game. And they almost came back and won that one. They tied the Lions, and then they won the other two games where they gave up 200 yards. So I'm not saying that that's going to be their idea, that they're going to be like, no, we just don't care about the rush defense. But the thing is, is it nearly as important as being able to stop the pass in today's NFL? That's my question to you. I think I think another issue though is this: like if you're an opposing uh, offense, and and to to your point, you're willing to be patient. You want to run the ball on the Steelers because yeah. that's minimizing the impact of two of Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. you know best defenders in TJ Watt and Fitzgerald. So, so if you can find a way to you know sort of keep TJ Watt from doing what he does best and and can't yeah. keep, make Minka Fitzpatrick be a physical run defender, um, then you know that's that's a, a win for you. Uh, one team that that did a great job running the ball on the Steelers last year was Cincinnati, and I don't yeah. I don't think they ran for two hundred yards, but they, no, they they came they were just short. They yeah, were just short they, in that second game. And they were they didn't, they didn't I mean, even hit 100 yards the first game, but that yeah. second game, yeah, they were they ran it almost 200 yards. I think Burrow only threw the ball about 18 times in that game. I mean, oh, especially like in the second half. Right. Yeah, that so, was smart. They were the, it right. seemed like they were the only team smart enough to keep running the ball and keep running the ball and keep running the ball. Um, other than maybe like the Ravens, who that's because they really couldn't do anything with the pass in that game against the Steelers the last week of the season. Right. So, and if Cleveland's, I mean, if Cleveland's smart, that'll be their identity too. So you look at the division and you think to yourself, well, they better be able to stop the run with two against Cincinnati, two against Cleveland and, and two against Baltimore. You know, it's, I, I don't think, I don't think any of the, well, Cincinnati, unfortunately can, can do a lot on offense, but the other two teams are going to have to be run first. Yeah. So, I mean, and I also, part of the reason that I think that it's inflated that the Steelers' runch defense is so bad is they were playing some of the best. I mean, look, two, two of the, the better rushing teams in the NFL are in the Steelers' division. They play them twice. Now, granted, they did well against against stopping the rush against the, the Browns. But, I mean, even the Ravens, you know, 200 and some yards. But when they win those games – you're like, hey, if you're going to give up a ton of running yards to the Browns and and the Ravens to where it puts you last in the league, but yet you're going to go four and zero in those games, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, to me, I think part of it is circumstance. But we do know when when, when you think about it, and like the Detroit Lions game, they gave up two hundred some yards. Part of that was that one big touchdown run to start the second half, um, in, in there, but. It was that Vikings game that I think really got Steelers fans like, my goodness, are they ever going to stop anyone from 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 rushing the ball? But I I I had that game marked off as a loss whenever the the schedule came out because I'm like, short week after playing the Ravens, that's in going to Minnesota, that's going to be problems, and that's where we saw the problems the most. I think they'll be better this year. I was just wondering is how important is it to be great at it 
Or do they just have to realize, hey, we can give up rushing yards as long as teams can't s- sustain the drives enough for us to win games? Yeah, I don't think you have to be great at it, but you can't be bad. Yes. You know, you, and they were bad at times. I think you're exactly right. Times last year in the run game on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, we've gone over our time here a little bit. So, Kevin, real quick, anything in particular you have you have coming up that you want to pr- promote with uh, that might be coming out this week at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com? Uh, let's see what's coming out this way. I wrote an article that will come out uh, in a couple days on the offensive line and how big training camp is for them. Uh, the spotlight's going to be on that group, and and they're they're probably the most important position group to the – fate of the team this this year uh the fortunes of the team i should say and so so there's that and then i'm really excited about uh the following week i'll, I'll actually be at training camp for the first time in my life Yay. i've never been to a Steelers training yeah i'm very excited and uh, i haven't been there either so yeah so i'm gonna write it i'm gonna do like a, a journal and I'll, I'll write mm-hmm. i'll write like a journal of my experience there and what i saw and everything so i can't wait you know i'm, I'm happy it's at latrobe uh, I hear that that experience is phenomenal. I can't wait to bring my kids because, uh, you, know, you know, my son especially, just so he can experience it. So, yeah, that's what's coming up. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Now, now you're, are you going to be there around the time of Friday Night Lights and everything? Is that when you're going to be there? Uh, a couple of days early. I'm going to be on, that, on, that, on Wednesday the 3rd. I'll be there. So Okay, so you'll, they'll be in pads and all that good stuff. Well, yeah, absolutely. they're scheduled. They're, well, they're in pads already. They can't run. You know what? They might not be in pads on Wednesday. I don't uh, – something, something like – if they had do three padded practices in a row, then they have to do something else. They, they, it's, it's crazy with how little they're actually in pads. Um, but even when they are, it's, you know, other than backs on backers, I don't know how much it's going to be. My brother's never been to Latrobe. He will be there this Thursday. He will have a knee jerk reaction article to what he sees at Latrobe. Uh, so that's great. We've got the training camp confidential coming out at behind the curtain.com where we're going to be, you know, giving you trying to push out a bunch of content right as everything starts hitting you with some other things. Like I've got some, you know, just, Reminder, who's the roster, some, you know, camp sleepers, various other things, position battles, a lot of various articles that we'll be getting out there. Um, You know, a a lot of that will be on Tuesday and Wednesday. Also, make sure if you haven't already uh, that uh, earlier today was the, the We Run the North podcast with Kevin Tate. That one's already out there. We've got you know, what hit the ground running strong tomorrow morning with, with Jeff Hartman's Let's Ride, followed by Bad Language. Those podcasts will be coming out, so make sure you're checking out all the podcasts behind the steel curtain. Kevin, I want to thank you for, for joining me tonight. Um, did you have any parting shot here before we get out of here? No, I appreciate it. Uh, it was good talking to you, Dave. And uh, I, I don't know how everybody out here feels, but uh, for – for me, the Steelers going to training camp is is a little bit like Christmas Eve. I, I got that, I get that like excitement about me. I can't wait to to read all the updates. The little video clips that we put up on BTSC are, are they're just like like little like opening your stocking. You know, you get those little gifts in the stocking. Yeah, right? opening I, your stocking. Nugget right say. there. So I'm I'm excited for all that stuff, man. Yeah, I, I'm really excited as well. Let's let's get it started. Let's get this. Preseason started, offseason over, preseason begins. I'm ready for that to be going. And as we have to say to finish off all these shows, go Steelers. 